because we like anti-clockwise to begin with. Uh, Coolmore representative Kevin Buckley posted a tweet last night saying he was very pleased to see uh, horses at the Curragh walking around anti-clockwise the paddock, which many people believe is safer, Eve. They also did it at Ludlow and one or two other racecourses. I think Goodwood also walked anti-clockwise. Uh, Windsor, I think. So just explain for the uninitiated why it's either a good idea or, in your opinion, not such a good idea. I don't know. Um, when a horse misbehaves and you're leading, you're leading from the left, mm -hmm. they always go away from the leader. So their back end will always go yeah. out yeah. into the paddock, essentially, if you're... Yeah. yeah. So if you're leading anti... Clockwise. Yes. Yes. The, um, they, you the, are between the horse yes, and the public. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Or you're between the horse and the people in the paddock, sorry. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Whereas if you're going the other way... You are between the horse and the rail. Yeah, you're between the horse and the rail, and they'll go out, and they're more likely to kick someone... In the paddock. In the paddock. Yeah. Whereas as long as they've got wide enough... I think m most racecourses now have a good sort of metre of railing or two metres, and the public can't get hurt, mm. which they have at, certainly do at Windsor and Goodwood, they're far enough away, mm -hmm. then it's uh, advisable. The only trouble is that if you then get trapped between the, um, if you're legging up and you get trapped between the rail and the jockey, that could be more, I mean, that could be more difficult. So there are inherent risks whichever way, way you do it. Of course But do you believe that going anti-clockwise is less risky in the round? I never thought it was, but I'm sort of coming around to thinking maybe it is. Mm. Um, as long as you've got a good lead person on there, you're, you're better. And it also begs the question, should we have fewer people in the paddock anyway when we reopen? Should we, should we regulate that more uh, so there is a less incidence? Probably. Of, uh, um, in Deauville, they have uh, rails between the middle of the paddock and the horse. Mm -hmm. So they're sort of white railings both sides, so they can't kick the people in the middle. So, yes, I think it needs looking at, definitely. OK, thank you. Right, let's move on to a, a, well, a related topic, essentially, because it's a question of who might be in the paddock on Derby Day. Owners, how important is it now, uh, as things stand, in the context of wider society's expectations of how we behave, the owners can be phased in to race Absolutely horses. Absolutely vital. I mean, how can you go and sit in a restaurant next door to another group of people two metres away or one metre plus away there and that be safer than having 200 acres in a 400 acre site? I mean, it's, it's it just, it's vital that we've got to go and go. I mean, on uh, at the Derby, they can go and to Newbury to watch it on, a, on the race course there. People can go there and sort of have pub-like atmosphere on a big screen, but mm. you can't go to do that at Epsom. I, I think the way they've relaxed the rules, it must be, must be possible to get owners back in. And, you know, they need to be able to go. How would you rate the performance of the industry so far to this point? I think they've done a great job. I think, um, you know, in very tough circumstances, nobody knew what was going on, but the day we were allowed to go back racing, we started. You know, you look at every other sort of industry or whatever, even though they weren't sure, a lot of them, they, they said, oh, no, we're not ready. You know, um, you know so even the, some pubs, Marston's, I think, oh, no, we won't be ready till the 6th of July. Well, you know, we were told we could start on the 1st of June or whatever it was. We started on the day we could start. And um, I think we did, they did really well to get that organised. It's been pretty smooth. I think there's only been one person that's been not been able to run but they very you know we all have to be very careful answer questionnaires all the time and be very careful with our health and have temperatures taken they're very very conscientious and they're doing a very good job but I think we need to get people back in the race courses uh, yes I would agree and I think there is going to be a statement tomorrow between the RCA and the ROA 
that may hint at a phased return to the race course for owners. I've no idea how soon that will be, but we can hope perhaps that some of that might encompass the Derby meeting on Saturday. Let's talk about English King. I mean, this has been debated till the cows come home in truth, but I want a trainer's perspective on it. And in fact, we've half had a trainer's perspective on it from Oliver Cole. They've gone for Andrea Razzani over Ross Ryan, who won on the horse at Ascot. Bjorn Nielsen's gone for Frankie, with whom he has a great rep, uh, rapport. And, and Tom Marquand has to wait another day for English King. From your point of view, how do you read that? I think it's very difficult. I mean, you want to be loyal, but there's only one derby. And if you've got, why would you leave the best available, Frankie, in the weighing room when he has ridden for you unendingly? And, um, and Tom is a brilliant jockey. He's a great jockey. He's got a ride for, for Andrew. But it, I, 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 I can see why they do it. And I think that there's an argument to be made for it. Would you have done the same thing in the same circumstances? It's very difficult, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> Give me a derby horse. I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, and, and I suppose from a trainer's point of view, that's when, that's when you like owners to make the decisions so you don't have to make the really difficult you know, one. They pay the money. They pay the money. They can have whoever they want. Hmm. You know, it's not up to us to tell them who they've got to have ride it. And it's nice that Tom's picked up the ride for Andrew Balding, for sure. Yeah. I can understand it. I, I feel that there was a personal relationship there between Bjorn Nielsen yes. and Yes, I mean, Frankie he has been loyal. Way. He's been loyal Ex to Frankie. Exactly. And, and the, the, uh, the owner and the trainer, Bjorn Nielsen and Ed Walker, both told Tom Marquand, mm. your only danger is Frankie. If Frankie's yes. available, we're likely to go yes. for him. So you know, there's never, there was the no, never a shadow of doubt, and, you know. Um, it's gutting, and, and I'm sure Tom is gutted about it, but I'm also sure he's going, can we move on now, please? Yes, I'm I've, sure I've, he is. I've been interviewed to death. Everyone wants to ask him about it. Just move on. And he's done all those interviews with a great smile on his face, yes. and he's kept riding what is. Yeah. It was lovely yesterday to see him. Um, he was being interviewed on Sky, I think, by Simon Mapletoft, and he was talking about having ridden Caspian Prince as a 14-year-old when he rode out yeah, for Tony Carroll, and then he got it? to win on him yesterday. Know, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. All those old boys winning was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, really good to see. It was a great day of racing yesterday, both in terms of hope for the future and renewal, and also great old horses winning. Let's talk about diversity in the sport, which is so important, and it's very much at the top of the agenda of the British Horse Racing Authority, quite rightly too. There's been a very interesting article in the Thoroughbred Daily News, I've retweeted it, I would urge you to read it, about it's, it being very difficult to encourage, this article particularly is about women and also um, the black community to engage in horse racing when there are so few representatives of those communities at the very top of our, our sport, Eve. And I was at an event with you last year promoting an international horse racing event. There was a photograph of about 50 trainers taken and you were the only woman in the photograph. And I felt very sad about that and yeah. wondered why there weren't more women in your profession representing it as well as you do. Um, I can't answer why there aren't more women. I, I know I'm the extremely lucky and fortunate situation is that I took over from my father. So that's, you know, that helped me along the way. Um, but we need to get more women. We need to get more black people, um, Asians. Don't, we need to be more diverse, but how do you get them interested enough to have the knowledge to be at the top of the sport? I mean, it's like anything, but you've got, they've got to, we've got to start somewhere. When I was growing up, my father had a black female apprentice. And that was a long time ago. Mm. And I'm not sure there have been any since. And it's a long time since is, your um, grandmother was a pioneer. Yeah. It's a long time since yeah. Nora Wilmot. It's a long time since your father had a female black apprentice. We need to move on. We've got to encourage. But I really, I'm a great believer of getting into schools. I really am. A, you know, we have three or four people on work experience every year from the local school. Um, 
And I think we should be trying to get into the local, into schools and just encouraging people just to, even to come work experience so they have some interest in racing mm. in later life, whether they go to work in it or not. Um, it's got to be a good thing, surely. I firmly believe that no sporting venue, arts venue, any leisure venue is anything without proper community engagement because there becomes mutual respect between what you're trying to do and the community as a whole. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Oh. And I think um, racing to school, that's, that's a good sort of initiative. But uh, yeah, we have to really push for it, I think. Talking of young people coming through the sport, apprentices. Now, because of the COVID-19 situation, the, the new legislation from the VHA as regards how apprentices are paid and the system by which they're paid has just been put on ice for the time being, which has meant that Andrew Balding, who was a vociferous critic of the new system of apprentices being able to keep a much greater portion of their prize money, has taken on a couple of apprentices again. So it, it essentially um, ignites the, uh, the, the debate as to, as to what percentage of a, an apprentice's money a trainer should be able to keep. Eve, where do you stand on it? I'm sort of in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, what the BHA is proposing is far too much, far too much for the apprentices to keep. And I think maybe we've, we've been taking too much to start with, but they have to appreciate, people, people have to appreciate how much money you have to put into it as a trainer and also trying to persuade owners to put up apprentices um, and when they make a Horlix of it, which they will because they're apprentices and they're learning, that's an opportunity lost. That horse might never win a race or might never, you know, that, that might have been that horse's only w winning chance but you've put an apprentice up and they've, they might be the difference between winning and losing but they might be, make a Horlix of it and lose and there's going to be there's quite a lot of apprentices that never make it that you've had to give a lot of opportunities to i'm not i'm not talking about me i have one apprentice a year i've got a very good girl and she she's really good at what she does but if you've got like if you're like andrew balding you've got five or six apprentices three or four of them aren't going to be very good but you've got to give them the opportunity to prove whether they're good enough or not you also normally keep two or three horses in training to do that it's a lot of money that goes into it and you're not making money by getting a percentage of their things. It, it's just helping towards it. And if you're not being helped, why would you do it? So you feel that there is a bit of give and take here to be yeah. still undertaken? Yeah, I think it needs to be tweaked. Okay. Let's talk about the sales this week. We'll be talking to Jimmy George, the marketing director of Tassels, in a few moments' time. There were a couple of monster lots, as you'd expect. Lot 134, Night of Thunder 575. Uh, there were a couple other horses who made good money, but uh, the breeze up consigners weren't happy overall. Eve, a lot of people have taken big hits. Well, I mean, they were going to take hits. I yeah. just think they're lucky to get, happy to get them off their books, to be frank, because they will keep eating. What's going to happen at the yearling sales? That will be a better bellwether, won't it? I think the top end will be strong, and I think the middle market and the lower end might be a bit of a car crash. As somebody who trains a whole variety of horses of different abilities, and you have a, a wide range of owners, how many orders do you anticipate this year relative to last year? Um, I don't know, but I won't be buying on spec. So unless you've got that order filled, unless somebody's wrong you, you're no. not going to be? No. I can't afford to. I can't afford to, and there's going to be a lot of trainers like that. The Breeze Up boys aren't going to be coming back, or not as strong. Um, I, I think it's going to be an interesting market. And is that because your books, simply because of the lockdown, are not going to balance well enough for you to be able to take a risk of 30 grand here or 40 grand yeah. there. It's, yeah, that, and you know, you need to be certain that you're going to be able to sell them. It's, who's, there's always going to be people making money, 
and hopefully wanted to spend it on racing. But um, the world is a very different place. Eco economy is a very different place than it was this time last year. Because it was because trainers like you are absolutely crucial to that middle market. Mm. The, you know mm. the horses that really sort of sustain the program on a, on a daily basis. It, it, it's and really, your punt and your uh, clients. Uh, yeah, I, I find it really worrying, very concerning for me. How much is my yard going to shrink by? Or you know, uh, and it, it is very concerning. I think racing could become very polarised. Well, as I say, we're going to be talking to Jimmy George in just a few moments' time. Those were this week's important talking points.